I want to ask you a question. Do you think about what you're singing? Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came back and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take this scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. To God be the glory, great things He's done. Amen? You can go ahead and be seated. And as you're seated, turn back, if you will, to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. You know, about a year ago, when we began to get back after Easter a little bit, we actually came back the Sunday after Mother's Day. We began a series on the second coming of Christ, and I eventually preached uh, Revelation chapter 5. And we were reminded that Jesus is worthy. Amen? He's worthy. Well, I want to remind you this morning, on this Palm Sunday, this day that represents a week of things that would unfold, that would change the uh, direction of human history, as Jesus would make his way to Calvary's cross, that he is worthy. He is worthy. And the title of the message is, Easter is more than a parade. As a matter of fact, we could say something like this. Easter is more than a big crowd. Easter is more than a new outfit. Easter is more than getting together with family. Easter is more than a good meal. Easter is about the king who is coming to redeem you and me from our sin. And I thank the Lord for the songs we've sung today about the cross and I want to remind you that he is worthy. But make sure you understand something. We're not talking about just a man. We're talking about a perfect man, the God-man, the Lord Jesus. The Old Testament said that the shedding of blood would always have to take place for forgiveness 
to take place. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that Jesus came to pay the ultimate price once and for all so that you and I could be forgiven and so that you and I could be saved. If that doesn't fire you up, something's wrong. Somebody say amen. I praise God for that. I praise God for that. Because Easter really is a time of celebration. We worship on Sunday because the tomb is empty. But if you're not careful, in Matthew chapter 21, you might be prone to compare Easter to a parade. Now, I've seen a lot of parades in my life. Camden is home of the Black Walnut Parade. I mean, if you haven't attended that, you haven't lived. Uh, years ago, some of you might remember, they honored the churches in Camden. We were the Grand Marshals. So they had the pastors ride the float. I can still remember it. I was wanting, to, I was wanting you to be proud of me. I wore a tie and a suit jacket. And we sat on this old flatbed trailer, and every time the, the driver would move, I felt like our pews were going to fall backwards. It was one thing to be in the parade. It was another thing to be asked to emcee the parade. And boy, that was a different story. I had Debbie Mason stand right beside me and tell me who was next and, because I didn't want to introduce the wrong float, the wrong car, the wrong fire engine, and, and, and mess it up. And she was right there to make sure that, that I did not do that. Parades are different from what we're talking about, the pageant and the, in, the entrance of the Lord Jesus Christ to Jerusalem. Oftentimes, we go to a parade and we forget what we have witnessed as soon as we get home. Oh, we might have something that sticks out, but most of the time, uh, we forget pretty quickly what has taken place. We see floats, we see entries, we see people, we see cars, we see animals, we see even politicians. And they pass us by, and we stand looking for the next thing. Folks, I want to remind you this morning that Jesus Christ is what you're looking for. He's what this whole world is searching for, and the world is wondering what, what's it going to take for us to get back to some sort of loving each other and getting along. It's Jesus. And it's not religion. It's, it's not going through a bunch of motions. It's about lives that have been changed for the glory of God. And listen... If you're a Christian this morning, you can love anybody because God loves you. The Bible says, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another in Ephesians because Christ has forgiven you. So this morning, we take the walk. And we're going to walk with Jesus as he sets his loving sail from the foundation of eternity on the cross Matthew chapter 21 I'll begin with the first 11 verses now if you're with me this morning say amen, amen. I wasn't sure the early service was with me this morning they woke up early it was raining like cats and dogs and they made it and we had a great service so if you're sleeping on me this morning and I see it Levi I'm calling your name I, I wouldn't do that I would not do that Marcia I would not do that Okay, here we go. Verse 1. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage 
This is an interesting place on the east side of the Mount of Olives, close to Bethany. Bethany would be where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived. Jesus often stopped there. So on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives, the Bible says, Then Jesus sent two disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you. So he is referring to Jerusalem right here. Just across the Kidron Valley, there's the old city. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king is coming to you, lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, sat him on them, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road. And the multitudes who went before those cried out, saying, Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. I want you to circle that if you have a pen in your hand. All of the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, if you look back prior to chapter 21, I want you to look at chapter 20, verses 17, 18, and 19. Because for the third time, Jesus is now predicting his death. And there's something interesting about what he's about to say in chapter 20, because in Matthew 16 and Matthew 17, he doesn't do it. He says he's going to suffer and he's going to go before the elders and the chief priest and be killed. But here in Matthew chapter 20, for the third time, the Bible says, Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. Here it is. To mock and to scourge. Here it is. And to crucify. He identifies exactly how he is going to die. And aren't you glad that's not the end of the, the passage? And the third day he will rise again. That's the Savior, folks, in whom we worship this morning. Jesus had told them repeatedly there would be a trial that would condemn him. But here he says... I'll be crucified. And that's why Rome was such a key player in this whole deal. That's why Pilate was such a pivotal person in this whole deal. Because Rome could be the only ones that could order the crucifixion. So you had two political parties working together. And it's interesting, isn't it? That when Pilate, and, and Pilate's always been fascinating to me 
I mean, there's no indication that he's a believer or became a believer. But Pilate is like a lot of people. He did not see anything wrong with what Jesus had done. And that's why I believe God speaks to his wife and she says, don't have anything to do with this. But politically, he wanted to make the people happy. And folks, I'm telling you, we're living in a nation that has fallen into that same political thought. If, if you're here at this church this morning, if you come to this church just so that I preach what you like and what you want to hear, you're going to be rudely awakened one day by the truth of the gospel. The Word of God isn't up for debate. It's not up for election. It's not trying to win a popularity contest. It is truth that we need to listen to. And God's will for your life and God's plan for your life is better than anything you can come up with. I love the fact that God always has a plan. He sends his disciples ahead and says, when you get there and, and you steal somebody's donkey, you're not stealing it. I've already made a way. It's also interesting that Matthew is the only one that mentions a donkey and a colt. The other gospels all mention it, but they mention the, the age, the, the tender age of what Jesus is coming in on. And that, to me, that's just a reminder that he can tame anything. Have you ever been on a horse that's never been road ridden whatever that good grammar is right there have you i've been on a horse a few times i've never got beyond the the the, the walk where it like bounces you off the saddle i love the fact that god has a plan and and when you look at the passage when he says that the lord has need of it uh yesterday uh, we were kind of lazy at home watching these ball games and and renee said i'm gonna make cookies well, anytime your wife says that, something ought to pop up in your head. I wonder who's coming over. No, she goes, I'm going to make cookies for you. And I said, that sounds great. So later in the evening, after we had dinner, she had drifted off. Obviously, she was praying for today's service. And as she drifted off, I thought, oh, those cookies are in the kitchen. So I went in, and there they were. I mean, she had a bunch of them. And I just stacked four chocolate chip cookies up and thought, oh, these are good. Went in, sat down, and ate them, and, and, and I ate them a little quicker than I thought they would be going. She was still asleep. I went back, and I, and I did it again. I think I may have taken more the second time than four because I felt a little bad about 9 o'clock last night. She wakes up and goes into the kitchen and discovers what's happened. And she walks in and looks at me like, and I said, the Lord had need of them. <laughs> hey, folks, listen. God always has a plan. And here's what I love about God. His plan isn't a B afterthought. It's what he wants to do from the beginning. You know, his desire, I pray that I preach to people that are going to heaven every Sunday. I pray you're not a regular attender here and you wonder if you're saved. Because I'm telling you, if you do... The Holy Spirit of God will not let you go until you get that right. The greatest search and rescue mission ever came from heaven. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, God is still wanting you. You know that draw you feel from time to time, that, that ache, that emptiness, that loneliness, the questions you have? That's God saying, listen, this isn't a parade. I'm, not, I'm just not passing by. I'm coming to a cross that was meant for you. 
and your life can be radically changed. Dave, do you remember, uh, remember the Sunday you gave your heart to Christ? I believe it wasn't long after a friend of ours named Randy Osborne didn't wake up. And I remember that Sunday because I made a comment something like this. I received the call in the morning and they said, Brother Greg, we've got some bad news. And I was clinging to the phone of wondering who they were going to say. And it was that Sunday that Dave came forward and said, I reckon it's time for me to get saved. Folks, listen. God loves you and he's looking for you. And this is not a parade like some North Dixie Drive, Northridge Parade, Harrison Township that I grew up in. Jesus is coming because he's heading to a cross. Now listen, he was guilty of being God. He was guilty of willingly giving himself up to suffer for our sin. He was guilty because of the love he had for us. He was guilty of having the keys to hell and the grave. But the fault that men accused him of and mocked him of and rejected, listen folks, was an eternal decision. Now the Bible says as Jesus comes, the prophecy of Zechariah is fulfilled in verse 5 tell the daughter of Zion behold your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey a colt the foal of a donkey hey, hey that was that was the way the king of kings operated he'll be born of a virgin and, and by the way let's just let it be a, a manger a stable a cave as his birthplace the Jews were praying for deliverance they had been praying for the Messiah but Jesus came as a servant and he went to the cross to do something for you and I as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Number one, if, if you have a, a notepad there, some notes in the sermon. Number one, Jesus knows exactly what you need today. Do you believe that? He knows what you need. Max Lucado said if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent economists. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent a Savior. He sent a Savior. And I want to ask you this morning to take an honest look at your heart. What is your greatest need? If you're not a Christian, you don't have the hope of heaven in your heart your greatest need is to be saved in a couple minutes I will give you an opportunity if you're here today and you're a Christian your greatest need may, may be to get right with God if maybe you're here and your greatest need is to be forgiven maybe you're here and your greatest need is to forgive well that's what Jesus is all about because he knows our greatest need now he came in on a donkey a, a colt and often we would say, well, that's a beast of burden, and that would be for a servant. But the truth is, a donkey was a traditional carrier for kings. It was a traditional carrier for rulers in the ancient Near East. So it wasn't that odd, and it wasn't that weird. I believe the lesson that's being pointed to us is that Jesus can handle any mess in any life. 
as he brought calm to an unridden colt. Now, I mentioned that Matthew describes two, but listen how Mark's gospel phrases it. Chapter 11, verse 2. Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has set. Loose it and bring it. And all of a sudden, the King of kings and the Lord of lords calms the rebellious heart. One writer said the picture is an animal calmly carrying the prince of peace. Nothing overwhelms Jesus. And I believe if he can calm a storm, he can calm a donkey. Amen? He can calm a donkey. What is your greatest need this morning? What is your greatest need? Number two, true Christianity is acknowledging that Jesus is the king on the throne of your life. When Drew was in high school, he graduated in 04, I think. Uh, I think Preble Shawnee created a dance just so he could be the king. And I think it was called the snowball. The snowball. I think it was something like that. So he came home that night after the dance, and he had the crown. And, and he looked like the, uh, the blue bonnet margin guy. And, and he had the crown, and he said, look, I'm the king. And we said, what, what are you the king of? And he said, I'm the king of the snowball. So we hung that thing outside in the garage on a nail somewhere, and not long ago we went outside, and there it was. And what did I have to do? I had to put it on. And I thought, my goodness, he had a little head. And, and I told Renee, I'm the king of the snowball. Well, see, nobody ever heard of the snowball. Nobody, ever, nobody cares what the snowball was. But boy, he was the king. Let me tell you something. Here's, here's the picture. When you're, when you're a Christian, true Christianity is saying that Jesus is the Lord of my life. We say that a lot as believers. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Well, if, you're, if he is not on the throne of your life, he's not the Lord of your life. And here's what's happening. For some of us, man, we're, it's all about us. Life is about us. Everything that happened is about us. But here's what the Bible pictures. That we, we get off the throne and say, Jesus rightfully take your place in my life and I'll follow you you're the king the lord of my life maybe you're here today and you're a Christian but you're not living like he's the king you say really Greg how dare you say that I can only say that because I've lived it I've done it we get so consumed about church stuff and, and the next thing you know bunch of stuff is replacing the main thing and you, and you just kind of wonder where the joy is in serving and what's happening. You see, our problem is we're a lot like the donkey that Jesus rode in on. We say things like, oh, what a great church. What a great worship service. What a great song we sang today. Boy, I've got a great Sunday school class. We've got a great youth program. Our kids' children's church is the best. Look at us, look at us, and look at us. And here's what happens. We're like the donkey carrying Jesus into Jerusalem, thinking that the applause is for us when it should be all about him. It wasn't no ordinary parade. This was a life changer. 
anybody can get in line for a parade. But for some of us, we need to get behind Jesus. Quit trying to lead the way. Quit trying to think that we've got all the answers. Folks, if you've been at this church any amount of time at all, you know that I'm not the slickest, sharpest knife in the drawer. God is on the throne. He has to be for the favor that he's poured on our church over all these years. If I die tomorrow, there'll be somebody preach the gospel in this pulpit next Sunday. You said, really, Greg, don't talk like that. Listen, if I die tomorrow, I'll be part of the greatest worship service I've ever been part of tomorrow. Spreading one's garments over the streets. You know what we would do? Renee, don't take that suit. Don't take that. These are good things. Let's give Jesus what we don't want. No, the Bible doesn't say that. They laid their clothing, and this was an act of homage for real royalty you know in light of the, the NCAA tournament when I was in high school uh, Dayton UD Arena hosted Mideast Midi regional games not to play in first four I mean they had like uh, one or two levels in some great games I remember watching the undefeated 19 I believe 1976 Indiana Hoosiers beat Kentucky at UD Arena sitting with my dad it was a thrill well, when I was in high school, uh, Georgetown was playing Michigan State, and they contacted Northridge about using our gym to practice before their game at UD Arena. Man, alive, you would have thought the king was coming. I, I was guilty. I was guilty. I wanted to be there when they got off the bus. I wanted to get a good look at them, and I somehow wanted to make my way into the gym to watch them practice because I thought royalty was in the house. Listen to me. When they spread their garments along the road and Jesus was coming through, that was an act of humility, recognizing that a true king was on his way. But something happens. Number three. The parade crowd seems to thin out the closer you get to Calvary. It's really a heartbreaking thought, isn't it? What do you mean, Brother Greg? Well, we know there were some. The Bible says here in verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their clothes. But yet, when I get further into the New Testament and look at the cross, for instance, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 39 through 40, the Bible says, when the centurion... This Roman soldier, Roman leader, stood opposite of Jesus, saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last. He said, truly this man is the Son of God. Verse 40, the Bible says, and there were women looking from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the less of Joseph, Joseph, and Salome. In John's Gospel, chapter 19, I love this. Verse 25, the Bible says, When Jesus hung on the cross, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple on whom he loved standing by, most would say that was John, Jesus says from the cross, Woman, behold your son. And to John he says, Behold your mother. And the Bible says, from that hour, that disciple took her to his own house. 
I love the fact that from Calvary, Jesus wanted to make sure his mom was taken care of. You might be living in a season of life right now, or maybe you've just come through it, where you've taken care of aging parents. Let me encourage you. Hang in there. Amen? I know it's hard. Sheila and I are in that season. We're in that season. And I want to tell you that we've had no, you couldn't ask for a better mom and dad, and you pray for us that we'll be there for them in the needs they have in the days ahead. Listen to me. Nobody said it would be easy. But let me ask you, how easy is it to raise a baby? Huh? You know, my, my mom and, you know, I have one sister. It's just us two. They had Sheila. They realized it could get better, so they had me. No two kids are alike. I'm kidding about all that stuff. Folks, I'm telling you, we put our clothes on the road when we need him. We're in it for a short sprint. We're, we're leading the pack, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the crisis comes and goes, and you can't find them anymore. And that's a picture of the cross. Folks, let me tell you something. Jesus was not the grand marshal of the parade. Grand marshals come and go. You don't know who the last one was because all of the emphasis this year is put on the new year, the new parade. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the Bible says in verse 10, And when he had come into Jerusalem, listen, all the city was moved. I would like to think that they all were pumped up for what Jesus was going to do, believed what he was all about, and were all in. But sadly, the word moved here does not mean that. It has some multiple definition for us to understand. For instance, it means to be agitated to anger. Oh, man, the religious crowd, oh, they were moved. They were moved. They were agitated. They were angry. Oh, uh, listen, it's blasphemy to consider yourself God, but it also means to tremble in reverence with godly fear. I want to tell you this morning, you cannot let Jesus pass by without making a decision. He either is who he says he is or he's not. Number four, when he shows up, he demands it. He demands a decision. Josh McDowell said in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, you cannot do nothing with Jesus. So Pilate, with all of his good thought, I'll just wash my hands and act like this isn't me, to do nothing with Jesus is to reject him. And I want to tell you this morning, everybody in this building is responsible now. Nobody in this building, unless it's a young child that may not comprehend uh, the gospel, there's no one in this building can stand before God and say, I didn't know what it, what it meant to be saved. I didn't know how much you loved me. I didn't know what it would take to go to heaven. Yes, you do. It's the cross and the cross alone. And what you do with that will make eternal significance. You might be here and say, Brother Greg, my, my mom turned 82 this week. 
You say, but really, Greg, I, I, I'm in my 90s. I'm, I'm in my late 90s. I've, I've lived a long life. Let me tell you something. I want to give you a good word. Heaven's a perfect place, and heaven is forever. You're going to wake up tomorrow as if yesterday never happened. And I long for it, don't you? I watched a YouTube video this week, and, and it was a singing somewhere, and they said, we're going to invite a special guest to come. He's been singing this song for a long time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Squire Parsons. And Squire is, is not as healthy as you remember him. He, he, he's, he's, he's fighting some things. And boy, when he began to sing, I'm kind of homesick, Beulah Land, his voice was crystal clear. Beulah Land, I'm longing for you. Now let me tie it up. Verse 12, then Jesus went into the temple of God. Isn't it interesting that the first place Jesus goes when he gets to Jerusalem is church? This, this is a powerful passage. And when he got there, he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He addresses the religious crowd. And the Bible says he addresses both those who are selling and those who are buying. Now listen, it was not uncommon for animal sacrifices to be made available at the temple and oftentimes it would be in the form of doves for people who could not afford a larger sacrifice. So they would have somebody there to be able to sell the cheapest item for people to be able to offer a sacrifice. Money exchange. Money exchange was common. And it became a problem. Ken, uh, Ukraine. A few years ago, uh, Jay, Ken, Tyler Jewell, and Chris Fox from here, we went to the Ukraine together. You remember that. We, uh, we got to Kiev and got in a car, and th this is all I can remember, and drove as fast as we possibly could for about 500 miles. I'm not exaggerating. And then we get to this motel, and they said, this is where you guys are going to stay for the night. And when we got there in the dark, it was quiet. We were wiped out. People were tired. All we could think of was getting in bed. And finally, we did, and we were awakened the next morning to craziness out in the streets. People were coming and going, and one thing we learned was people were exchanging American money for Ukrainian dollar so that they could buy and sell. So they had a guy out there uh, that would be in business of exchanging your money. Here's what was happening in the temple. Oh, they were exchanging it all right, but they were charging excessive rates. Jesus goes in and says, you've made this a den of thieves. And folks, I'm telling you, the Bible says Jesus was perfect and without sin, this is righteous anger. He gets the attention of the religious crowd and he says my goodness my goodness I'll close with this this Easter 
let's don't let good things replace the best things. Oh, good, what are good things, Brother Greg? Good, good things are, are, are being in church and getting a small group. And, 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 and this morning in the 830, it's good to see some of you back. And I'm sorry for some of our people today. I said, man, it's good to have you back. And they said, we were back last week. Where were you? That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. We worshiped in New Madison last Sunday morning. And when I drove by here, I couldn't think of anywhere better I'd rather be in worship than right here. But let's don't let the good things replace the best. And folks, listen. If we're more worried about form, if we're more, more worried about what we've always done, we may just miss the fresh wind of God moving. We've got to be willing to recognize that this isn't a parade. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is coming and going to a cross that was meant for me, and all he asks for me is to place my faith and believe by faith that that's the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, they say that the Easter crowd, largest crowd of the year, Mother's Day is number two. You'd think, uh, you would think, Christmas might be, but Mother's Day is number two, and I believe it's because moms ask their kids to come to church for Mother's Day, and kids do it out of respect. But I'm going to tell you this morning that if you're a Christian, Jesus knows who you are. If you're here and you're not a Christian, Jesus knows that, and so do you. The invitation is, would you like to receive the greatest gift ever given? Forgiveness of sin, and Paul said, when we give our life to Christ, we become a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things become new. Anybody need a new start? This morning in the first service, 15-year-old girl, Delaney Ham, it's Mason Spurlock's girlfriend, will be 15 in April. I was wondering, Marcia, in the invitation, I was about ready to wrap it up. And I just sensed somebody moving in the corner of my eye, and here she came. She's already shared her decision with her parents. She was worried about how they would respond, and they've responded with encouragement and happiness. So next Sunday morning, we'll baptize her at the end of the 830. There might be some of you sitting here You've given your heart to Christ. You've never stepped out and said, I need to be baptized. Listen, that's the first step. Come on. Come on. Let this be the day that God does something in your heart. Hosanna, Hosanna, save me. And if you mean that prayer, he will. He knows your heart. Let's all stand.